Hi, everyone, and welcome to Season 2 of Cape Sports Now, the Cape Cod Times uh, high school sports show airing live on Facebook, and this will also be available for download as a podcast, which is why we're doing Season 2 in our awesome new uh, podcast studio. Thanks to everybody who checked us out during Season 1. I think we started the show about uh, right around the start of this year, and towards the end of basketball season, and we're really excited to be bringing you this one, even starting it up even before the high school season of the fall starts. I'm Matt Goisman. And I'm Steve Dedarian. Uh, Matt, it's great to be here, especially in the studio. You guys get to play around with all this stuff during the season. Yeah, these are some season. cool toys. <laughs> and now you get to see it, you know, kind of behind the scenes. And uh, yeah, I almost feel like we're doing some sort of like simulcast radio station, which and I guess in a way it is, like you just mentioned, the show will be uh, on Facebook. Even if you don't catch it live, you can come right back and watch it on the page. And you can also, um, I believe you can, we just go to our website too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, so. It'll, episodes will be available there uh, as they were last year. So uh, we are recording this on uh, Monday, August, was it the 27th? I think it would it's the be 27th. the 27th, that's yeah. right. <laughs> so first episode, we'll get some of these jokes I'm coming out, back from vacation, so this is a re-entry yeah. <laughs> Monday for me, so as they say. So we are right in the middle of the preseason. Last uh, Thursday was the start of full preseason for all sports. Football had started the previous Friday from that with limited contact, and then last Thursday was when they went to full contact. We're going to start getting some – Big scrimmages this weekend uh, in multiple sports. In soccer, we have the NASA Clash, which is always a big deal. With Barnstable Volleyball, they're hosting their play day, which always brings in tons of local teams. Uh, we've got uh, uh, DY is hosting, I think, Silver Lake on Friday. Barnstable has got Taunton uh, in football on Friday. So we're really deep into the swing of things, and we can start getting a sense of who is going to be good this year and what they need to do to be good this year. Yeah, this is always, at least, I don't, I don't want to pick too selfishly, here's a second fall go around for me, so it's always interesting to see, you know, how these teams, you have your first fall, it's, you know, mm -hmm. you kind of set the expectation, now you get to kind of compare and contrast and see how teams either build or take a step back from last year. So definitely really excited to see some teams that obviously had tremendous success last year, teams looking to move up. And in a lot of cases, as you'll find out, there's a lot of teams that had a lot of success who will see if they can stay at that level, and that's going to be the big challenge this year. Exactly. You know, I think we'll start with high school football. We're probably going to cover high school football a lot on this show over the coming weeks. We will, of course, cover other sports as well, but expect to get a fair amount of high school football content from us. So one of the big stories this fall is the number of new coaches we have this year. We have five uh, new uh, coaches or four and one who was there for a long time and is coming back. Uh, you know, I'll run through the list real quick. Ross Chicola is taking over Barnstable. Matt McLean, Sandwich. Uh, Joe Perry is the new coach at Nantucket. Larry Souza is the new coach at Monomoy. And Don Herman is coming back to Martha's Vineyard. He coached for 28 years through uh, 2015. He won, the, the Vineyarders won five Super Bowls under his tenure. Uh, and he's coming back now to to try to rebuild that program. Yeah, in just about every case, you're seeing athletic directors bringing in new football coaches to really revamp mm -hmm. their programs. I mean, maybe Nantucket's a bit of an exception. They've been a pretty solid program, and, and Brian Ryder was stepping down specifically to go watch his son play college football. So a bit of a different situation there. But really with those other four teams, these are teams that I think really needed kind of a shot in the arm and, and some consistency in the case of Monomoy, which has had so many coaches yeah. over, over the life of its program. And, and I think 
as we'll talk about a little bit later in the show, I think they finally have somebody in there who who can bring some stability and and finally, you know, coach just, for two just, years. Just, just get someone players are really familiar with. Yeah, see in the school because uh, Sousa is a teacher, for example. So absolutely, yeah. With Monomoy, they made the playoffs last year, which they'd never done before. They had a winning season, which they'd never done before. The program is only four or five right. years old. Mm-hmm. I just want to see somebody stick around for a couple of years. It's got to be hard on kids to have to learn a new system. Mm-hmm. And up until this year, it was really learning a new system because it was outside coaches coming right. in. It's hard to to build any long-term consistency with that much changeover. You know, you look at a football team like Dennis Yarmouth, really I think one of their strengths is that Paul Funk has been the coach there since 2002, mm-hmm. and he works specifically with the uh, the Junior Dolphins, their youth football program, to make sure they are getting taught the same system that he's going to teach them in college. So they just have a constant feed of new players who mm-hmm. already are more or less familiar with what they're expected to know uh, come uh, the high school. Right. And, I mean, you mentioned you got to spend some time with Barnstable last mm-hmm. week. Just talk a little bit about their practice. I know they really like to run high energy. and Yeah. I, I mean, it, it looks – obviously, that builds enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's going to be the recipe for their success this year, or do you think it's going to be something that's just really kind of getting the program back to the numbers they had before, and then you kind of build from there? Well, the numbers are already great. The episode I was – uh, episode. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, – Practice. Uh, practice session. That's the word I wanted. I was at, there was a hundred kids there. Mm-hmm. Now some of them are going to go play uh, JV and right. some are going to play freshman, but a hundred kids is a hundred kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is exceptional numbers. I know uh, when Jacola took over, one of the things he really talked about in his first meeting with the players and the parents was an emphasis on weight room participation. Mm-hmm. And from what I'm hearing, there were 70 kids doing weight room sessions right. basically every day in the spring and the summer leading up to this. So, He's got a ton of energy and enthusiasm. I do think the kids are feeding off of it. Whether or not they can really compete at that high, you know, their D2 school, whether mm-hmm. or not they can really do that, that's going to be their challenge. I mean, they've not been super competitive in the old Colony League for the last couple of years. They made the playoffs with a sub-500 record. You know, I, he has Matt Peter Kuski back at quarterback. Peter Kuski was really, really good. He threw for 2,600 yards mm-hmm. and 23 touchdowns and ran for three scores. Right. And he's going to be a captain this year. They just announced their captains a couple of days ago. But I don't quite know what the uh, who he's going to be like throwing to because right. almost all of his really good receivers last year are either gone or in the instance of someone like Zeb Tilton, have gone on to Phillips Exeter. Yeah, it, it's going to be real hard for him to take shots downfield without Sam Rose, who was obviously a tremendous Sam Rose was athlete. Really good, yeah. Um, I mean, you got a guy, a leader like tight end Colby Burke. I'm sure he'll be one of his mm-hmm. target receivers. But really, I think they're going to have to establish a run game too. And you know, you got Big Joey Almokas coming back. Yep. He's obviously been a tremendous competitor on both sides of the ball. But um, if he can open up holes behind them, I'm sure they can find a back in there and establish kind of that run pass connection because Peter Kuske can run too. He's a good, you know, on the move kind of passer and mm-hmm. very, you know, aware and almost kind of like a pro kind of style formation guy. So if they can protect him and give him some time and open up those lanes. Yeah. I think that offense will move. I think the bigger question is what's going to happen to that defense because you really have to look at it, you know, um, from both sides of the ball here, because I know Barnstable's problem last year. Yeah. They could put up points, but 
they had a hard time, as we saw on like Thanksgiving, giving up 51 points to foul. They had a hard time stopping opponents. So mm-hmm. you score as many points as you want, but you also got to make some stops. So I think that's an even bigger question mark on this team. Yeah, I think that's what what is going to be their biggest challenge to compete in you know in their schedule. Of right. their first seven games, five I think, or maybe even six, are against playoff cal- uh, qualifiers from last fall. So they have a tough, tough regular season schedule. If they can win, it'll show that Jacola really does have the program in the right direction, mm-hmm. but they are also probably going to be tested a lot and almost every week in a way that some of these other teams, because of the divisions they play in, are going to have right. weaker teams. And I'm sure their goal is just to get back to the playoffs. Because, yeah. I mean, you can't expect you know a, a championship contender right off the bat. I mean, this is clearly going to be a three-, four-year project of sorts, if you will building up that freshman class and you know who you never really know who's going to emerge from that so I think so too but I think they probably would at least like to get a winning record and right. maybe see if they could actually win the Thanksgiving Day game mm-hmm. against Falmouth Always which they yeah <laughs> um but yeah let's talk about the two programs that you know really shine last year and that was DY and Mashby both yep. capping off undefeated Super Bowl winning seasons. Mm-hmm. And when you look at DY, you know, everyone's saying, well, they, they clearly can't have replicate the success of last year. And that might be true, but they certainly have a lot of guys on that offense who can really fill spots. I mean, you look at, you know, Peyton Doyle, for example, quarterback taking over Jacob McCarthy, a really yep. solid option there. You got Mark Polina, who may not be as effective as Bobby Edge, still a very talented back. Mm-hmm. And also got pretty good hands, I think, coming out of the backfield. You know, Darian Thompson, Jeffrey Jamiel, two of the better receivers are still there. Yeah. And even on the offensive line, which I think was a, really the tremendous part of DY success last year, I mean, you still have a couple guys, Magnus Areva and Andrew Campbell being two of them coming back on that offensive line. Those are guys who had plenty of experience and were able to shuffle in kind of where needed. So there is plenty of experience on that offense, and I still think they're a top contender in the ACL. It's hard to know what Marshfield's going to bring each yeah, year. They've obviously always... been kind of the top dog there, but I, there's no reason why DY can't compete for that title, and I really think that that game, as it has been in previous years, is going to determine who's going to be the league champ. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, two years ago, the Falmouth-Marshfield game decided the league championship, but yeah, I my hunch is this year it's going to come down to DY and Marshfield again. Um, you know, what I like about having Thompson uh, and Jamiel to some extent, but Thompson especially back, is it also... That gives them very strong downfield, like secondary defense. Thompson was a really good defensive back Mm -hmm. last year. You know, there were games where he was catching touchdown passes and making multiple interceptions on the other end. Uh, You know, so if he, if they can find ways to get the ball to Thompson and Jamiel, they are both really quick and very athletic and they can make people miss downfield. It is a question of, you know, can Doyle get it to them, or is somebody else going to be their their option in throwing packages? Right, and it's always hard when you can't necessarily count on what three, four touchdowns or yeah. over a hundred yards of the first half or even first quarter sometimes for Bobby Evans. So yeah, yeah, definitely Bobby really big, big shoes to fill for Dy. So uh, they got a sixteen, but going back to previous year, they got a sixteen game win streak at six. That's one of the best in the state. Mm-hmm. They're going to open up September seventh at Barnstable. So, again, D.Y. and Barnes will opening up against each other. And D.Y. obviously ran it running away last year. But like you mentioned, Barnes has got a big test with a lot of playoff teams to start with. So Absolutely. It'll be interesting to see if that high energy for Barnes can stay up even when, you know, I'm sure they're going to take their licks early on. For sure. I, 
you know, you mentioned win streaks. <laughs> you got to mention Mashpee is 20 games. That's what the second best in the I state believe, now yeah, behind right. King, Kip. King Phillip is 25. Yeah, they've won the D2 title last year. Very impressive program they built over there in Rentham. Absolutely. So Mashpee is in a similar boat in that I there's they definitely have holes on their offensive line. I mm-hmm. think they need they may need actually five new starters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and their quarterback situation is is pretty vague at this point. Um not vague, but you know they are also missing a guy who was a, a quarterback mm-hmm. who was a huge part of their team last year uh, in Jacob Johnston. Um, but the difference is the Falcons have Devon Ford, who you don't need somebody else to get him the ball to mm-hmm. make a lot of plays. I mean, he had 1,500 offensive yards and 20 touchdowns last fall. Uh, you know, he can, do, he can be a receiver. He can be a running back. He can actually throw it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is getting lots of looks from colleges. Uh, I don't know if he's had too many offers at the D1 level yet, mm-hmm. but uh, you know he's going to be probably working a lot with Xavier Gonzalez, their tight end and defensive end, who has had uh, D1 offers already. Uh, I think Maine was one and UMass was the other. Uh, he hasn't, to my knowledge, made any decisions about that yet, but that's that's kind of where he is at. He holds all the major sack records, basically, in Mashpee history. Mm-hmm. And if they can use him as a lead blocker, uh, like as a tight end, a blocking tight end, mm-hmm. they could run forward behind that a lot. And if the two of them can get out and get moving, that's pretty tough to block. Right. I mean, all you really have to know about Gonzalez is, you know, he played most of that Super Bowl game last year with a broken forearm, as we later mm-hmm. found out, which is, is unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, I've rolled my ankle in a game before. And I didn't want to stop playing for a little <laughs> bit. I, I just can't imagine, you know, going through that and still being as effective as he was yeah. as a pass rusher. Um, probably didn't get a lot of targets on offense, but we know he's got good hands and, and can make plays there. Yeah, Mashpee's got a lot of skill players still left. You know, and you, you didn't mention Cam Kurgo, obviously Cam a very tall wide receiver. You know, you just put the ball up to him. He's more than likely going to come down with it. Yeah, tall, great leap. I mean, he's... Unbelievable high jumpers we yeah, covered in the fall. Exactly. Or in the spring, rather. Um, but yeah, yeah, definitely a big hole in that offensive line. Ben Bonenberger, who's now... Bonenberger, sorry, I mispronounced his name. Now at Division One Colgate. Had a very tremendous career, Mashpee, and and definitely looking to do some good things at the next level. And, and center and, John McNamara. That's too. right. Yep, yep. And and there's no doubt that Gonzalez and Ford could definitely go on to have successful college careers after this mm-hmm. after this season. But yeah, you're right about Ford. You know, his, his big thing, and, and with all these players that we're mentioning, it's going to be staying healthy. Yeah. Now more than ever, Ford needs to stay healthy, and and you'll probably see if Mashpee can get ahead in some of these early games. You know. They yank him, keep him fresh because, you know, we saw it last year. He had some issues with his cramping. And even in that state championship game, I think he had a bit of a kind of hold up with his legs or something like that. So, and he's also got to stay on the field, you know, too. Right. You know, last year he missed a few games. I think what suspended for two games or something, something like, like that. that yeah. yeah. So, I mean, he's got to be a really big leader this year because I think Mashby's going to go about as far as he, uh, Devon can take them. I so. think so too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what really caught my eye is that Mashpee's playing its first four games away from home this mm-hmm. year, and and starting with a really big showdown at Nantucket. And Nantucket traditionally has given Mashpee, you know, really, you know, yep. really big fight. They beat him two years ago, and then last, last year, year was twenty-five nothing. But you know what? It was eleven nothing in late in the third quarter. So I mean, Nantucket was in that game, mm-hmm. and and they found a way to kind of limit. You know, Mashpee's effectiveness on offense. Right. They just weren't able to put up any points on the board. So. 
And then, you know, Mashpee's got to go on and play South Hadley. It's a very solid Western Mash program. Made well, the playoffs ever since the statewide year. That's true, but it's one that Mashpee had zero problems with last right. year. It was uh-huh. like a 43-8 to eight right. final or something like that. So, But, right, again, you got a, kind of a new personnel in there. It's going to test yep. that offensive line. And, yes, that's true. And then you're they're at Coilcast and at Abington, obviously pretty much the second-best team in D7 South, mm-hmm. at least in recent years. So it's not going to be an easy start for Mashpee. At a certain point, you got to say, hey, could you be happy with 3-1? and one? with that you know but there's no <laughs> there's nothing really stopping them from maybe winning all four so we'll see what happens yeah I, I you know i think you said it best however good ford is that's probably how good mash p will be mm-hmm. if he can get on a roll yeah they could win one more state title for he's sure. in the open field there's no one catching <laughs> yeah um but yeah so let's get to some of the other teams real quickly so sandwich under coach matt mcclain obviously a really a full rebuild over there at sandwich Mm -hmm. this is a program that's been around for almost 20 years but has really never been able to kind of get themselves off the ground but i I think they have a really solid coach in here you know mcclain grew up in abington which is obviously as we just mentioned has tremendous year in and year out success Mm -hmm. um they have some guys back quarterback cam lopes will be big for them and as well as uh, running back charlie chapman you know we found out just from doing some research that Sandwich is kind of going to abandon their kind of wing T run first kind of offense. They want to go spread. That's something that's happening a lot now in the high school game. Yep. So we'll see how that plays out. Is obviously a new system that's going to take some time. But having a, a veteran quarterback and kind of a veteran back there kind of facilitate the offense. I think is going to be helpful for Sandwich. So um, yeah, I think I think with Sandwich, it's some of it. It's just. They need to find a way to build the program to the point where they can start getting some of the best athletes right. at that school. And they have some, but I think because of the success teams like the cross-country team and especially the boys' soccer team mm-hmm. have had, a lot of the really good uh, athletes that are going through the sandwich school system are probably picking other fall sports than football. True. Yeah, but I mean, in, in football, the game is unique, though. You got big guys; you can turn into a really good offensive line. And Certainly, true. we've seen with these other teams around here, like DY or even Mashpee. Mm-hmm. You build a good offensive line, you'd be surprised how much stuff you can do, oh, yeah. you know, offensively. And then you just you just need to build that general toughness. And it looks like their numbers were were up a little bit, but again, it's going to take you know a three or four year process to, I yep. think, to see some dividends. And you play in a really tough league, which you know we can get into that later. What the future of the Atlantic Coast League is, but um, it maybe doesn't have one, but right yeah. for the but, time being, um, yeah, it's going to be an uphill battle for Sandwich. Yeah, but I think they have a guy in there who's really enthusiastic, and it comes from a program that knows how to have success. Mm-hmm. So Sandwich will open up. They're going to host St. John Paul II on September seventh. A lot of these games will start Friday night, um, and that's their start for them. Let's jump over to Monomoy. We mentioned them really quickly. Uh, yeah, Monomoy, you know, they had their best season ever last year. Mm-hmm. Finished with a win on Thanksgiving. But, man, did they lose a lot of seniors from that squad. Yeah, they really did. I think it's going to be maybe a little bit of a step back for them this year. But a new coach, like we said, brings some stability, I think, and really start to move that program in the right direction. Larry mm-hmm. Souza, who's a teacher in the in the Monomoy School District. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Souza's, so like I just said, he's a teacher. Um, they're going to be losing guys like Nate Amaker, Eli Dickerson, Connor Santoni, Jake Wisniewski, yeah. and even Souza's son, Zach. You know, all those guys were really solid for Monomoy last and year. And really good leaders, too. Absolutely, so. and, and really in all sports. You know, a lot of these guys we mentioned on multiple sports mm-hmm. um, in the course of the show. They do have quarterback Isaac Hart back. I think will be helpful. I wouldn't be surprised if there's going to be a lot of Q, QB action there, whether it's QB draws or just – you know, read options and stuff like that because I think Hyatt's going to be their biggest offensive weapon and we'll see how far he can lead them this year. 
So, um, let's see. And a really cool thing, too, this year is the Sharks actually have it on Cape Rival for Thanksgiving. They're going to play St. John Paul II yep. on Thanksgiving Day, which is a little bit of a shakeup. Um, Monomo used to play Sacred Heart in Kingston. Really wasn't much of a rivalry, but that's kind of what happens when you have a new Right, <laughs> a and new Sacred program. Heart's football program is really new, too. So they were right. both just kind of looking for a rival. So, um, But I think you know St. John Paul would play in one of its Catholic uh, conference opponents, I think they actually would play the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. And oh, that's true. Yeah, that happens sometimes. But it takes around that time. It's a new rivalry. It's yeah. on Cape, so it actually yeah, probably means I, a little bit more. Yeah, I the think players. the I don't know about the competitive balance, but I think in terms of local interest, they'll get far more people, um, and they can do their game actually at maybe a, a Cape high school. You know, St. John Paul, their home field is Mass Maritime Academy, right. uh, and they would usually have to play Saturday nights, and I, I think if they can go to Monomoy and maybe be there on Thursday on Thanksgiving day, mm-hmm. I bet they get a better turnout. Right. And that's dropped to the islands real quickly. So, you know, that's a big chance for Nantucket with new coach Joe Perry, Yep. you know, to open against Mashpee, the mm-hmm. three time defending D seven champion again, Nantucket, I think a couple years ago, two years ago or three years ago, I think was able to knock off Mashpee at home. Uh, that was two years ago. That was two years ago. Right. So, it's a big test for them right off the way. You know, Nantucket lost a bunch too, but they still have really solid athletes really mm-hmm. across the board. Devontae, Esther, Trainburn, and Darian Duart, all kids who were coming back from yep. that team and were good and really all across the board in sports, whether it was basketball. Yeah, they were exci- they were really good basketball players. Um, and Duart was listed as a quarterback last year too, so I wouldn't be surprised to see him under center making plays. No big Nick Correa in the middle. That's the biggest loss <laughs> for them, without a doubt. He's at Rhode Island now. Pun, pun so. intended on that one, biggest yeah. loss. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I mean, Correa was unbelievable last year, and his run-blocking ability was almost kind of that Vince Wilfork effect, just mm-hmm. filling up space and making the back cut and go somewhere else because they just weren't going to get through him. So um, Nantucket, again, really big chance to start up against Mashby and, you know, they kind of restock each year. They mm-hmm. they run they they've run. I want to say roughshod because obviously Mashpee's been really solid, but they've uh, they've handled their business during the regular season. Their next thing is getting over the playoff hump yep. after losing in the semifinal sectional semifinals the last two seasons. Yeah, they've they have had a, a bad run of luck in the playoffs. Call it luck if you want. Over the <laughs> it's more than two years. They've been. You know, first or second round losses, I think, for four or five years now. And they've had number one seeds in that stretch. Two years ago, they were the number one seed. And they lost to, I believe it was Seekonk in overtime in the sectional semifinals, a team. And Seekonk was a team that Mashpee just obliterated in the finals that year. Um, That was 2016, I believe. So, yeah. So, you know, Nantucket, they play in a conference that they have kind of rolled through the last Mm -hmm. few years. So that gives them a very good record and a very high seed. Right. You know, this is going to be a big test for them. I agree that I think their offense is in fine shape. I question who on their defense is going to step up. That's going to be somebody who can throw down with Devon Ford, who can right. maybe impede Xavier Gonzalez or mm-hmm. cover. I think they have the, you know, the DBs that can probably hang with right. Kurgo. But um, I would probably of that, I don't want to pit make picks, but probably I, I would still give the edge to Mashby in mm-hmm. that game this year. Absolutely. Um, unless the offensive line is really, really shoddy for the Falcons. Right. But I think Chris Rendigs usually does a pretty good job of training up the O-lines mm-hmm. pretty quickly. So, And another big story with Nantucket is whether or not the Island Cup game will be played this year. Yeah. And, you know, the Martha's Vineyard adding, bringing back, I should say, Coach Don Herman is going to be a huge shot in the arm for that program. 
doing some research from the Vineyard Gazette. Over 40 players were on the first day of practice. Even one young woman was actually in practice too. Mm. So we'll have we'll take a look and to see who that was. They didn't mention her specifically, but um, that's more than doubled at the end of last year. Oh, know? yeah. I think the Vineyard, by the end, they had 17 players total, and a lot of them were not varsity ready. It wasn't safe to play that game. They were young. They were like right. freshmen. And, and, yeah, they had to cancel the Island Cup game because of lack of numbers, right. injuries. I think a couple of kids had gotten dismissed from the team for disciplinary right. reasons as well. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I, Herman's biggest challenge is just get the first and foremost is get the numbers right. back. Worry about wins and comp- competition in the conference and all that stuff next. Right. But at least get to the point where it's not dangerous to put your kids on the field each right. week. And correct, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe when we covered Herman being high that Martha's Vineyard is going independent this year. They had a little more freedom in their schedule. Um, I think that's correct. They're right. definitely out of the conference right. uh, they were in last year, which I think was the Eastern Athletic right, Conference. Right. Uh, so There'll be some, I think, teams that they played before, but um, I think going off on their own kind of gives them that flexibility to schedule some more equal opponents. Sure. It can make it kind of hard to, to make, uh, the, make the playoffs. Right. You know, Cape Tech went independent for a while, and it, it really kind of right. hurt their uh, their ability to get seated. Um, unlike every other sport in Massachusetts, for people mm-hmm. who don't know, Football has a whole seeding system with a formula that calculates your your ranking within your division, and that the top eight are the are the ones who are then uh, advanced into the the sectional playoffs. In pretty much every other sport, if you win fifty percent of your games, you're in the playoffs, and they just right. make the the bracket as big as they need to to get everybody in. Right. Um, so the Vineyards are going to open up at home against Atlantis Charter September 7th. You know, that's a school that also struggled with numbers, yeah. but that's a winnable game for the Vineyard, and I think they can start it off on the right track. Absolutely. I, I think the Vineyard beat Atlantis Charter last year, maybe by forfeit. I think it might have been by forfeit, Because yeah. Atlantis Charter had didn't have the numbers, right. and I think they actually had to halt their season midway right. through for the but same yeah. reason. I know this last point on this. So, yeah, I, I really like the culture that Herman's bringing in. He had, had a funny line. So, obviously, he had an agreement. Obviously, the, the suspensions last year and the dismissals from the team were a big point. So, they had a no alcohol, no drug, which is obviously a policy with the MIA anyway. Yeah, yeah, they also yeah. said a no facial hair policy, which I thought was interesting. The one exception to that, if you want to take a guess what the facial hair exception is. A mullet, I don't no, know. No, mustache. <laughs> of course. Like their coach. So... <laughs> Uh, I, I want to see the entire team grow a Don Herman mustache, yeah. actually. I, 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 I kind would, of love that. Yeah. Anyway, well, this hope it's not going great yet. Yeah. I just want to transition over to volleyball because that was obviously the other sport we saw a lot of success oh, from, yeah. from the top Cape program. Barnstable, obviously a historic program under Tom Turco. They did fall short of a state championship last year, losing in the state semifinal, mm-hmm. which really was the state championship when you look at it, yeah. against Newton North, two of the best programs, if not still the two best programs in the state. Really excited to see Riley James, the outside hitter, come back. She's she's already committed to Bryant University in Smithfield, Rhode Island, Division One next year. Yep. She reached a thousand kills as a junior last year. She just named a preseason All American. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you didn't think it could get any better, well, we got one more year to find out how much better she can be. Yeah, they've got her, and they've got Ingrid Murphy back. And right. Ingrid Murphy is an exceptional outside hitter in right. her own right. They are not lacking for offense when Riley rotates to the back row mm-hmm. and Ingrid rotates up front. You know, that's also two of their best servers. I mean, the challenge for Barnstable is definitely going to be getting a setter who can be as in tune with their hitters as Caroline Brote was mm-hmm. over the last couple of years where she had more than 1,800 assists. Right. You know, we saw Tegan James, who's Riley's younger sister. Uh, she's going to be a freshman this year. Mm-hmm. She got 
She got into a lot of matches right. last year and definitely got some experience. But they also now have Josie DeLuga, who mm -hmm. transferred from Dennis Yarmouth. Um, she's a little older. Uh, she is a junior this year, mm -hmm. and she had 684 assists with DY last year. So probably I would imagine both of them play a fair amount. Right. Tegan knows these hitters better, but maybe Josie's got a little bit more, certainly a little more height right. uh, and a little more... Um, just a little more experience with varsity playing. Yeah, it's amazing how dialed in you know stats are with volleyball nowadays in terms of just efficiency and finding mm -hmm. out who that best person. So, you know, Turk has been there a long time, but he certainly hasn't shied away from that. It's part of the sport now, and I think that's going to breed a lot of competition to find out who's going to be that setter because it really is a setter's dream to yeah. have those two outside oh, hitters sure. there. I mean, they'll all make you look do, good. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And you know, she's not the only one. You know, junior middle hitter Jor Dorian Funk will be back as well. It's going to be important for her to rise this year, you know, in, mm -hmm. in that position as well. You just mentioned um, James' sister, Tegan. Uh, she was an eighth grader last year, going to be a freshman. So certainly the future of that program is well alive there. Um, but it, it's going to be a tough – it's still going to be a tough run for them. You know, those, the, the big players are still there. Newton North is still going to be yeah. waiting in the wings. So Barnstable swept Newton North in their match 3-0 in their regular season match, and then Newton North knocked off Barnstable right. by the same score. Right, Newton. Yeah, Newton North is missing their outside hitter. Yeah, so in that first match, which obviously, as you saw, when it came back to the state semifinal, was a huge difference. Yeah, that that per woman's name is Ashley Wang. She's right. six foot two, uh, <laughs> and she is back this year. She's a senior this right. year. So again, Newton North will be really tough. I'd like to see Barnstable develop a a, a good middle blocker that they can right. use to help out blocking hitters like Wang. I, I think the last couple of years, the offense has very clearly just run through their outsides. Mm -hmm. um, but back with like the 2015 team, which mm -hmm. was the first Barnstable team I covered, they had more options in the middle that they could use, mm -hmm. and it threw, it distributed their offense right. and made them more competitive that way. Right. So I'd love to see uh, them develop another middle hitter that can really mm -hmm. do that. Uh, you know, you want to turn over to Bourne, who right. went to the Division Three state championship last fall, and that's a team that does have a good distribution of its offense back this year. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the players who left are Libero, Leah Heidenfelter, and setter Allie Hickey. They were the captains last year, uh, so they're losing some defense and some settings, so they got to replace those. But Emma Fenton is a middle hitter. She had 305 kills and 44 blocks, and they have two of their their best two outside hitters in Cammie Mackinac, uh, who had 244 kills and 135 aces, and Madison Stock, mm -hmm. who had 196 kills. Right. So, you know, this is a team that can go in multiple places. They can spread it around as long as they can find that next setter who can really get it done for them. I think they definitely have a chance to get back to and maybe win D3 this year. Yeah, definitely they have the talent. I just think the big thing with Bourne last year, and you really can't underscore the importance of Leah Heidenfelter, Diggs leader, I think what finished with over 2,000 digs. Yeah. That's a really unbelievable over over a career like that. And it, it, and think people understand about Diggs. I mean, that that's what keeps you in points. That's when you're able to kind of offset outside hitters from the other team. And, and rally your team back and, and really steal some points. Mm -hmm. And I think that was big for Bourne last year when they got down or some, some tough runs. You have Leah make an unbelievable dig, really turn up the energy for that team, and then you score a point and just completely turn things around. So for sure. definitely going to need somebody to fill that role because that was a big reason of why they got to the state final last year. Mm -hmm. So just on volleyballs, Barnes will open up September 5th at Central Catholic. That's a 5.30 p.m. start for varsity. 
Bourne's going to open up September 7th, hosting Aponiquit at 6 p.m. That's a conference game for them. Yes. Uh, let's go to soccer, shall we? Real quickly. Sure. Can't mention and- soccer on the Cape without the Nasset boys. <laughs> yeah, we're, we'll, yeah, we'll definitely talk them. We should also – we'll get in a little field hockey too before right. we bounce. But, uh, yeah, soccer. You know, Nasset – you never want to call them in a rebuilding year, but right. but they certainly the last year's senior class was really really good, and so they are definitely going to need to find new people who can generate the offense for them. Yeah, I'm calling it really a new chapter for them. I think you know now that that Coach McCauley's son uh, John or James. James is gone. John McCauley's the coach. Now that James is gone, obviously that's a, that's a really big position missing at kind of the midfield and striker. So 97 goals. He's yeah, playing I over mean, at uh, New Hampshire. One of, if not one, yeah, definitely one of the best players that's ever put on the uniform. So, you know, his father, John's still there. You know, yep. he, he's got that program that's been working, churning, you know, solid teams year in and year out. Mm-hmm. They're still the front runners in the league. I don't think that's the issue. But, yeah, I mean, you saw them even last year. They were knocked off in penalty kicks in the in the sectional semifinals. Right. He, there's really some unpredictability when you get to the playoffs, especially when it comes to soccer, because you can run into a team that tries to win the game literally zero to zero. And McCauley was very nervous about all of right. our games all season. I remember talking to him, and he really thought they were going to be the biggest threat to right. to the Warriors in the in the postseason. Um, Coming right. back though, yeah, Nasset still has kind of a bevy. They got their goalie Jack Avalar yeah, back, which I think is a key part. Which when you look at Nasset. They don't give up goals. Right. <laughs> I mean, that was yeah. their, kind of their MO. <laughs> Last year, they just, you know, they had that one loss to New Bedford earlier in the year, which is a bit of a surprise. But then I don't think they gave up a goal after that until the, they lost, basically. Right. And even then, wasn't a goal. It yeah. was kicks. So. Exactly. <laughs> um, but still plenty of forwards, too. Avery Santoro, who was solid last year. Alex Drown, who really came, emerged onto the scene. Mm-hmm. He was kind of a bit of a, you know, kind of an under-the-radar guy in the preseason, but he really came on strongly um, toward the end there, so... He'll be back. I think Adele Talabi, big physical defender, is going to yeah. have to lead that back line. And, and there's going to be a lot of other guys who have to fill in as well. Talabi, I thought, really started to come into his own last year during uh, basketball season. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to see him just continue that momentum. Right. Uh, in the same way that, you know, when we talk about field hockey, mm-hmm. which we'll get to in a minute, the younger McGaffigan twins for DY, right. I think, really took a step forward in their development just as varsity athletes during the ice hockey season. And I want to see that continue uh, this fall as well. Right. So NASA will open September 4th. It's a 6 p.m. home game against Somerville. Mm-hmm. And that'll get things going again as NASA tries to potentially make it two championships in three years. Obviously, that's going to be a tall task. But yep. you never know. I mean, when you got a program that's as respected and is really nationally ranked, I should say, as NASA. You know, there's no reason to count them out. Mm-hmm. They're going to play a tough schedule. Mm-hmm. I, I think they should be fine in the ACL, mm-hmm. uh, although certainly, you know, Falmouth can always give you some problems, mm-hmm. especially at their field. And Sandwich uh, is a pretty solid program at this point. Uh, right. You know, Alfredo Alvarenga has really turned them into a very consistently successful club right. uh, over his cup few years there. Mm-hmm. And on the girls' side, I want to mention the Monomoy girls because they really mm-hmm. had a tremendous season last year. They went 13-2-2 and in the regular season. They got the top seed in the D4 playoffs. That was halted by, in I think, the semifinals by Hull. Um, but still a great season, and there's still plenty of young talent that's coming back for that team. you got Abby Higgins and Abby Wallace both coming back, solid goal scorers. Their goalie, Josie Ganshaw, who played as like an eighth grader, I mm-hmm. believe, is going to be back as well. And there's, there's no reason to think that they can't be the best team in the Cape and Islands. Found with Academy, I think they split the title with them last year. They did. 
but there's no you know Jane Early anymore. Found with Academy, I think, as you're going to see in a lot of girls sports, they're yeah. going to take a little bit of a I step think back from where Academy is going to come back to the pack this year, a little right. bit on the girls' side. I think this is Monomoy's league to lose. I think this year. Because, like I just said, FA is not going to be as imposing. And then Tuckett, you know, can turn out some good soccer players. I think could be a challenge for them. But and even the Sturgises can play. You know, as they've had some solid players over the years. Sturgises, St. John Paul too has right. had some years where they've had effective girls soccer teams. I right. think, um, you know, I think Monomoy definitely has the stability to get it done. Mm-hmm. Um, I think probably it'll come down to Monomoy and Nantucket. I want to say. Right. And then, do you have anything else on soccer? You want no, to flip the field hockey? Yeah, yeah I so, mean, really, let's look no further than the ACL because I seem like that's where that kind of bevy yeah, of talent is. Yeah, the ACL is. is definitely, I mean, some of the, I mean, we'll be honest, some of the Cape and Islands League teams don't even play field hockey in right. the fall. But yeah, so Dennis Yarmouth, they won the South last year and then mm-hmm. they lost 1-0 to the Watertown uh, in the state semifinals. The Watertown dynasty. Yeah, no will. shame in that. Watertown <laughs> is just unstoppable in yeah. D2. Uh, you know, they lost a lot of scoring. They lost Anna McGaffigan, who led the, the uh, ACL, and they lost Summer Walsh, who was the number three scorer. You know, but luckily for them, they had f- the top five scorers in the league last year, and the other three are all back. So f- the goals, if you want to know where they're going to come from, I, Lily Holmes had 19 goals, 10 assists last year. Avery Nardone had 12 goals and nine assists. And Shelby Dunn had eight goals and 12 assists. They're all back. Mm-hmm. I would... Expect them all to, you know, continue doing what they did last year, keep it up this year. So the, you know, the question is just can the defense, which lost a number of starters, step up and be as good as the DY defense usually is? Yeah, that's certainly going to be tough. I mean, DY only allowed nine goals all of last year, and that's including the postseason. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) obviously that was their big thing is really not allowing goals. And, you know, when you look at the other teams in the league, Falmouth was able to beat that team last year, so it doesn't mean DY is necessarily the top dog, even though they made it, you know, the the furthest of any of the other teams. But yeah, I, I think you're going to see a lot more competitive this year because when you look at Falmouth, you have a team that's got their, first of all their goalie back, Hannah Toby, who was unbelievable last yeah. year, especially against DY. Oh yeah, made 13 saves. The Clippers stopped 27 penalty quarters in a one nothing win. She sure, it was early shot. I mean, right. that was why they were able to win that game. Right. Yeah, it was early in the year, but. At the same time, you know, Falmouth certainly has potential. Quinn work is back. You know, she had 12 goals in the regular season last year. And I, I think you're going to see a lot more scoring against D.Y. And I think they're going to have to respond offensively a lot more instead of winning a lot of one nothing games. It's going to be a battle to kind of, you know, put one extra one in for good measure. Um, but I certainly have a winnable schedule, I, I think. They do, you know, and... Courtney Lima ha- is very good at inspiring her her team to kind of mm-hmm. to fight to be feisty and intense, right. uh, which you know they need, and I think they feed off that. So I suspect they're going to have a high, a high energy pretty much every game. You know when they played Dy in the playoffs, I thought that was kind of telling, just because Dy won that game without mm-hmm. giving up a shot on goal. Right. So you know there's changeover with both teams. Both teams lost some of their best players, players who are playing field hockey or lacrosse at the next level. Mm-hmm. I still think DY is probably the favorite to win the, the division. Sandwich is always good, right. and they will also be in the mix pretty much every year. Kelsey right. Beaton has that system basically running like And clockwork. their assistants run a really solid off-season program. We covered it a little bit in our club sports mm-hmm. you know, notebooks, and they've really had a lot of success in 
building an off-season competition. But that trickles out, obviously, throughout the Cape. Sure. And I think that only helps, you know, encourage strong competition, you know, throughout throughout the different programs. But, yeah, Sandwich pulled off a 0-0 tie against DY last year. But they're very young. I mean, last year, they're 22 varsity players who are either 8th graders or freshmen. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's unbelievable when you put together a 10-2-6 and six team with that many young players. But there's leadership there, too. I mean, senior midfielder Callie Sorensen is back. You have sophomore Macy White and freshman goalie Sarah Curry, who both have plenty of varsity experience who are mm-hmm. going to be there, too. And they're just another year older. And there's a lot of competition that's obviously bred there because you know that Beaton will turn to the 8th grader if, if she's not getting the production out of her older players. so Absolutely. You said 10-2-6 and six was their uh, final I believe so, right? That was so, a regular season. Regular season. Right. So I would expect with the extra year that maybe they're probably more like a th- – maybe a 13-2-3 kind of a team. I think a lot of those draws will get turned into wins this year just Mm -hmm. because her players will be a year older, a year more experienced, and a year bigger, more physically uh, developed and stronger. Cool. I want to round it out with cross-country real quickly. We can't forget about that. I was a cross-country runner. I'd never forgive forgive me if I didn't mention it. I'm really impressed to see the NASA girls this year. Yes, they lost their two biggest runners in Tara Ellard and Madigan Nobley. But... Really, last year, you saw the potential in that team when they won the D2 team title at last year's Bob McIntyre Twilight Invitational in Falmouth. Mm-hmm. I mean, they called up three freshmen who were going to run in that race, and they said, no, run in the varsity race. And they were the reason why they won th- that meet there. Yeah, obviously, you had Maddox finish second in that race. That was obviously a huge factor. But without those other runners coming in and placing as they did, mm-hmm. they, they wouldn't have won the team title. So they were just as important to Nasa's success as those upperclassmen. So you'll have Madikit's younger sister, Izzy, who's actually yep. a sophomore captain this year, which is a pretty big honor. You'll have Rachel Pring and Ella Kelly all back this year to, to help Nossett really keep up that success. And I think that's going to be that next wave of runners who are going to keep that program moving in the right direction. Yeah, I think so. I think their biggest competition is probably Sandwich. Mm-hmm. You know, the, um, the match against Sandwich last year, that was what decided right. the ACL. I shouldn't actually say that because DY cross country is also always really strong. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, so it's going to be one of those three teams. Right. Uh, probably DY is actually the team that's going to be most likely to win the ACL if it's not Nosset. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And on the boys' side, we'll mention too, Jacob Pearl's back as a senior. He was eighth at the McIntyre meet last year. Nosset's going to be tough losing Brian Brooks. Mm-hmm. But they still have a pretty good team. The, their problem is that Marshall continually turns out really good distance runners yeah. year in and year out. In part because the, the school is just bigger. Right. Like they, they can draw mm-hmm. out more people. But it's a good program there, and they handed Nasset its only regular season loss, meet loss last year. So we'll see where they go there. Obviously, cross country and uh, you know the runners out there, just like all the athletes, stay hydrated because it's going to be hot this week. Uh, yeah, it's going to be really hot this week. It already is pretty hot. So think that'll do it? Yeah, I think that'll do it. Uh, thanks for joining us. Yeah, so again, we're in the studio here now. You get to see us here on Facebook Live. You can also follow us on Twitter. Uh, my handle is at Steve underscore Derderian. My last name is D-E-R-D-E-R-I-A-N. And you can find me on Twitter at, uh, at Matt Goitzman CCT. That's M-A-T-T-G-O-I-S-M-A-N-C-C-T. And you can find us online at capecudtimes.com slash capesportsnow. It should take yeah. you right to the show if you didn't catch it live. And, uh, yeah, we'll be planning to do this. Most Mondays, next weekend's, next week is Labor Day, so expect a show next Tuesday. Yep. And we'll be rolling right into the regular season after that. Can't wait. All right. See you next time.